I'm sure this is up for debate. But I would argue that Tim Curry is one of the greatest actors of all time. Like, depending on perspective, there are only three actors I can think of who I would want their acting career more than anyone else, and Tim Curry is one of them. The other two, for those curious, are Ben Stiller and Jim Carrey. But there's a sense of confidence in acting that I think in some ways is more important than actually knowing how to act, although that is important too. And Tim Curry embodies that confidence to me. It probably helps that he was a stage actor as well, starting from 1968 in a production of Hair up until his retirement. And it was this particular production that in 1973, he encountered a man by the name of Robert O'Brien who had an experimental musical that he thought would be something of an ideal candidate for a crucial role. Little did Curry know that this would be something of a defining moment in both his acting and his musical career. Borealis Entertainment presents Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home, a podcast memoir by M.K. Lott. Chapter 21, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Growing up in a Mormon and, by default, conservative household didn't really permit the exposure to the Rocky Horror Picture Show for me. All I knew of it were, of course, the lips in the black background, and then maybe the picture of Tim Curry in character. I heard only one song from the soundtrack, that being the Time Warp, thanks to the show Glee, but that was it. In college, I had a girlfriend who tried to explain to me why the Time Warp was so fun and why the Rocky Horror Picture Show was worth watching, but I wasn't really seeing it. There was, of course, The Perks of Being a Wallflower, a movie I absolutely adored and related to in high school, but the passion for that didn't really age as well as the film, I'd imagine. But I bring it up because the characters in that, played by Ezra Miller and Emma Watson, perform a lip-sync version of the film in a theater while the original film projects behind them. And once I saw a friend do the same performance night after night on Instagram in high school, I made the assumption that this is the inevitable way to participate in this kind of viewing experience. So, you can only imagine how excited I got and anxious at the same time when I saw the local theater, known for throwback showings, was going to show Rocky Horror on Halloween weekend. This was back before I really spent much time at the furniture store, so I was, you know, young and wild and crazy and willing to kind of do random stuff like this. But I was excited. This was going to be the more fun and entertaining aspect of Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home. Watching a movie I've never seen, with people I've never met, in a place I've never been, there was just one hint of concern I had going into it. Was I going to be pulled up on stage? If you haven't seen Perks of Being a Wallflower, the main character, Charlie, played by Logan Lerman, was usually the target when Ezra Miller and Emma Watson would perform, whether that was getting twerked on by Ezra Miller, which is weird to think that he's the Flash now, or being pulled up on stage and playing the creation, which is... Uh, I would say is an important role, but at this point, it's really hard to tell what's an important role and what's not. So, there's that. It was already terrifying as it was to do something that I willingly chose to do, but to have someone volunteer on my behalf? That shit 
drives me insane. Even if it's for my own good, I hated people saying that I would do something or they would want me to perform for a specific reason. And I would. If I wanted to do it first. Otherwise, nothing but straight panic mode. That's all that would go through my head. But I decided maybe this would be a good way to get out of my comfort zone. Knowing what I know now about Rocky Horror, I would definitely put my foot in my mouth for this one, but if this was the name of the game, I was going to try to be a good sport and be as participatory as my temper would allow. Doesn't mean I didn't take the time to prep, however. The night of the showing, I parked far enough away from the theater that I would get free parking and enough time to do some breathing exercises and suggestions to myself while I was on the walk there. And I remember taking a deep breath in, reminding myself that anxiety is only how you interpret something. And then I took a deep breath out, deep breath in, and I look up at the street signs, 24th and Washington. I see the lights of the theater glowing out into the street. Okay. Keep going into the right mindset. Oh, light's green. All right. Okay. Um, we're going. And around me were a few teenagers dressed up in leather and fish leggings. And I was in a snowboarding coat and sweatpants. I never felt more like a fish out of water in loungewear. But we got to the box office. I paid for my ticket. And one of the ushers greeted me with a smile and handed me a folded piece of paper. I wasn't expecting a playbill for the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but then I took a closer look and discovered that it wasn't a playbill at all. It was a set of instructions. For many people, the Rocky Horror Picture Show isn't immersive in the sense of pulling random people on stage just to have them lip sync to the movie. As I walked into the auditorium, every seat had a brown paper bag that inside had all these seemingly random objects that you interact with based on what part of the movie is playing at that time. If it's raining, for example, you spray the squirt gun out into the audience. If someone gets married, you pop one of the poppers in the back. And if the instructions got muddled or confusing, I happen to have the right guy on my side. Is this your first time? This wasn't his real voice, by the way, but every time I think about him, I keep picturing the train kid from Polar Express, so for anybody from my generation, they'll probably know what I'm talking about. And so, this is the voice I'm sticking with. Kind of like a Saul Rosenberg from Jerky Boys. No, sir, I said. Oh, you'll love it. I remember when it first came out, and I've fallen in love with it since. I still have the video game on SNES where you have to help Susan Sarandon find her bra. I say all this to assure you that I was in good hands. He took me through the entire history of the movie and the production and all the traditions that happened for this film, all the while the costume contest was going on on stage, hosted by a man dressed like the dude to promote Lebowski Fest that was coming up in like a few weeks time, and reminding a few people that they weren't allowed in the theater after last year. And I could definitely see some people be deterred by the fan right by me, and maybe some days I would be that person, and maybe he caught a little bit of that from me as his passion then switched to an apologetic tone and saying he didn't mean to chew my ear off. 
No, 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 I said genuinely. This is fun. I, I want to know more. And it was. And I did. It was almost exciting to see this little event no one else would really go to come to life. It was like a little pocket of the world where the only people who knew about it were the ones in it. And because I took the time to relax and allow myself to open up, it got me to be a little more participatory. Not in performing a show I've never seen, dear God, but in taking the time to understand why people loved this movie. Why people loved the things they love. Rocky Horror Picture Show is kind of a notorious reputation for being a really bad movie. And it was really the first film to kind of develop what's now called a cult following. So for many people, Rocky Horror was like the first cult classic. But I digress. Once the Ogden cast was picked, they were given praise, I guess. I don't I don't remember the rewards, but they got to sit back down and the lights started to dim. Okay, here we go, the fan whispered. And then the iconic lips began to appear and zoom in, while they and everyone else in the theater sang the opening song. I'm not gonna lie. Even though I was prepping myself for this, I was not truly prepared for how quick and apt the rest of the crowd were. And I kind of knew that going in. While the viewing experience I could compare to Perks of Being a Wallflower, the best I can compare to the audience was a, <laughs> was a Bob's Burgers episode where they go to the Rocky Horror Picture Show without explicitly saying it's Rocky Horror, but you know what it is. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, at some point it was like being at a concert, but other times it was like being in a sports game. And probably my favorite moment was the iconic scene, or at least cult iconic scene, where Susan Sarandon and Barry Boswick go out of the car in the rain to check on a flat tire. And I heard a distant voice in the crowd go, Kick the tire! And then he kicks the tire, and you just hear the guy go, Yeah! This went on for almost two hours. I didn't know about this when I was initially there, but the Rocky Horror Picture Show was never supposed to be taken seriously. Richard O'Brien, the man who wrote it and who, funny enough, played Riff Raff, had written the script as a love letter and a parody to B-movie horror and science fiction. So now that I know that, it very quickly changed from a Tommy Wiseau production to a very charming passion project. Maybe if I had known that going into it, I would have not just liked, but loved the movie. But more than that, I walked away not expecting what I was ultimately feeling. I walked away inspired. In some form, there are three ways you can experience something. By yourself, with someone who doesn't appreciate it, and with someone who does appreciate it. If you experience something by yourself, the sky is the limit with the interpretation and whether or not it's of benefit to you. Then again, you also have to take into account your own taste and experiences. If you experience it with someone else, however, 
you'll typically be influenced by the person you're with for better or for worse. If you're with someone who doesn't appreciate it but you want to, it's usually best to keep your guard up and focus on the event itself to devote your energy to that instead of the negativity, at least that's my two cents. But if you're with someone who appreciates it, I would make the argument that it'll actually amplify your understanding because you'll get notes and details that you wouldn't get by yourself or especially with someone who doesn't appreciate it. But one of the most important aspects of this is allowing yourself to be open to this kind of interaction. If I didn't change my mindset, I probably would have ignored or been a little too candid with the fan. Maybe I wouldn't have even liked the film. But because I opened myself, I allowed new perceptions to come in so I can interpret them positively. Do I advocate this every time you encounter someone or something new? Because of my own life experiences, probably not. Because as much as I advocate trying new things, I'm also an advocate of stranger danger and proceeding with caution. But I guess that's where the power of using your judgment comes from. It's only been about five months as of this episode, but I don't think I'll watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show again unless it's in that same environment. Maybe someday I'll get the opportunity to encounter someone who says they've never seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show and maybe I'll get the opportunity to pass on the appreciation to them and, of course, do the time warp all over again. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Get Lost So You Can Find Your Way Home. I hope this episode leaves you better than it found you, and if you'd like to learn how you can develop a more open or change-tolerant mindset, as I like to call it, feel free to reach out on the Calendly link I've provided below in the show notes, and I'd love to help in any way I can. Thank you as always, and until next time, here's to finding your way.